Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. We believe everyone was created by God on purpose for a purpose. Each person is made beautifully and wonderfully in the image of God with a unique purpose. Our purpose from God is more simple than we often think. It's to be servants and be like Jesus. In our daily lives, in all spheres of life, we are loved to love through serving one another. Our love runs to the one because God's love ran to us. We are God's workmanship, walking out the good works He has prepared for our lives. We plant and water and trust God to make things grow. Our labor in the Lord is not in vain, and the true treasure is laboring with God, not the output for God. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. It is the last week of our discipleship section before then we move into our passions next week. We've been inching through our We Are as a Church guide, which is online under the resources tab or in the hallway that you could get that if you want some reading material to know who we are as a people. And today, we look to hopefully answer the question that we all have felt. We felt in times alone, and sometimes it causes us to feel like we're insignificant and even get afraid, and that's to wonder, what is my purpose? Why am I even alive? What am I born for? And today, we're going to look at God's Word that I hope will help inform us, shape us, and give us direction that we can live a life full of purpose. Purpose, by definition, is this, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So in other words, I am. Like, why am I here? Why do I exist? What am I created for? You know, Jesus, he gets confronted many different times uh, with questions. And one of the questions he gets confronted with one time is, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if we're ranking things, uh, our, our purpose eternally, and how do we get that answer right is so key. And he says, well, obviously, it's love the Lord God with your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, oh, wow. Like, when he asked this person to respond, they, they, that's what they said. And they said, okay, that's great. And Jesus says, well, then let me ask you a question. Let's go a little further. Who is your neighbor? And then we know the Good Samaritan story where the person who is unlikely to help, uh, the one, and as we do for the least of these, we do for Jesus. And we all, remember, we are the least of these. None of us can go make our lives born again. So our eternal purpose in the context of being a follower of Jesus is inheriting eternal life to be with God because of Jesus. But then as that fleshes out day to day, we're like, okay, I want to know how the rubber meets the road. What do I have to do? Well, one thing, an obvious observation is in most of our society, the structures in place are reward-based or fear-based. 
There's a book called The Winner's Manual by Jim Trussell. Sorry if you don't like the Buckeyes, and that's a reference to a coach who was the head coach at the Ohio State University for quite some time. But shout out to all the Big Ten. Shout out to all sports programs. Why? Because there's people there. And in his book, The Winner's Manual, what he says is, too often, if people come to you with a reward-based system, it is going to fail. In other words, here's the carrot. Here's what you have to do to achieve or receive this certain level of goal. Now, in that context, that's going to be an athlete that wants to make it to the NFL primarily. So you could say, well, if you show up this many days, I'm going to give you this. But what about when the carrot isn't enough to entice you? Well, there's another strategy that people use in society, which is a fear-based system. Demerit. If you speed, you get a ticket. And a lot of our leadership falls under these two things. Even as parenting, as business owners, we're either reward-based, and there's not necessarily wrong with incentives. I think we should be able to eat some of the spoils, if you will. But the other side is fear-based, and now we're, we're, we're really not unlocking what he talks about is in his chapter in the Winner's Manual, is a purpose-driven system to know why you do something. Then you, if you get a reward or if you are wrong at times or make a mistake, you have something that's driving you that overrides your present reality. Well, as we think of our purpose today, I pray that you would take some type of notes, maybe pull out your phone, write with a journal, because the goal is not to listen to me. The goal is for you to wrestle with God. What is your purpose? And today as a people, today's message is titled, We Are Disciples apprentices of Jesus with purpose in everything we do. There is no task that is mundane when we are doing it with God and for God. Now, our examples help shape us in life. You maybe remember the commercial back in the day, I want to be, I want to be like, if I could be like, if I could be like Mike, there was quite some time, I'm wearing some Jordans today, where I didn't want to wear Jordans for a really long time. And the reason I didn't want to wear Jordans for a really long time, because I remember growing up as a kid that I wanted to be like Mike. And then once I found more about Mike, I thought, man, that is a shallow example. Not putting Mike on blast, but I thought, man, Mike ain't perfect. I need a better example. Thank God Jesus stepped in. That gave me context, remembering that we're all imperfect people that can serve a perfect God. And the same Savior that called me in is the same Savior that needs to call Mike in. You know, and it starts to give us these like, oh, celebrity or, or these examples. But what if you can't shoot the shot? What if you can't win the championship? What if you don't grow anymore and you're five foot six trying to go in the league with a 20-inch vertical at my peak? Because I want to insert another example that is tested and true, the cornerstone that's not built on sinking sand. And it's okay to have our uh, people and examples in our life that are in the proper uh, prioritization as Mike would be, but we want to be, we want to be, we want to be like Christ. If I could be like Christ. And to be like Christ is the purpose of our life. To be with him and to be like him. Now the world might paint a picture for what purpose could look like. Your purpose, you could go to school and get a job. But in everything we do, we're not defined by our title. We're defined by our king and who we're with. We are loved. This is how it starts to flow as a disciple, our formation, that we are loved. We belong in a family and in community, and we have purpose to serve one another. 
So let's go back to all the way at the beginning of the origin of why we're created to show us our purpose. Look at Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. That's some weighty purpose that you were created. And God wants us to rule. And then verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Now you have God, the creator, us being created in his image and likeness, then being commissioned to have purpose in everything we do, well, why would we then feel empty so many times? What is my purpose? Is my life significant? Do I matter? Do I count? It's because, well, the sin entered the equation, and the devil is always coming to accuse, steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things, if he could just keep us sedated or apathetic in a way that we aren't engaged in the day-to-day. That sometimes we're looking for these big, I want to go to Disney, or I want to be like Mike moments, but it is the moments that no one else sees. So the first uh, anchor, if we hold on to, to understand that we have purpose today, maybe this sentence would help you. We are created on purpose. You're not an accident. And it's for a purpose from God. So who created you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, that he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb, that he had a plan for you? This isn't just preacher talk. This is God's word to pour courage into our spirit, courage into our souls, because so much of life wants to dilute our purpose where then we are, like I said, sedated or worse yet, apt apathetic to all kinds of situations and lazy and not feeling, finding ourselves fully engaged to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule under the great ruler. So not in a way that we don't have checks and balances or there's not a deep governance and reverence. Absolutely there is. God Almighty is who we answer to. So he created us on purpose for a purpose. And now let's Fast forward into the main text for us of what we are and how our purpose comes from. It's out of Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Look at how the message puts it. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. This is good news. 
This is where the pressure's off. Tetelestai, it is finished. He created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. There is work that God wants us to do. Well, how do we want our work and how do we want our purpose to to flesh out? Well, I I think at some level we got to stop and say, well, why are we doing it and who are we doing it for? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Now, in church circles sometimes, um, especially in, in a service, we could start to catch this culture where, man, you did a great job singing, or you did a great job preaching, or thank you so much for investing the kids. All, gl- all glory to God. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. Now, I'm sure that's authentic and genuine, but you don't necessarily hear that in the marketplace. You don't hear that in the jobs, all glory, in, the, in, the, in the, you know, like jobs in the day-to-day or at family or at home. Like, that was a good meal. All glory to God. All glory to God. All glory to God. Man, it was great cooking. All glory to God. All glory to God. All glory to God. But what if it was really all glory to God, all glory to God, all glory to God? And I am prone, I'll just, I'll just put it on myself, and you can examine your own heart. I am prone to wanting to absorb glory, get credit. Ah, you know, know that you had significant impact. But then if you remember you're working with God and for God, everything changes. Wait, it's his story. He's the one who's bought me. He's the one who's working through me. Look at the Psalm, Psalm 100. Um, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. The origin of source of life and who gives us life, therefore, It is grace that we get to do good works. It's grace that we get to steward our lives. It's grace that we get to um, show up, steward, serve all that we do. May we never get it twisted that the posture of us is somehow for glory. Now, as disciples with purpose in everything we do, then let's break this down. Let's just give some one-liners, something that can... uh, Add a little teeth or color. Five things that I want to highlight for us today is this. Number one, purpose is me knowing everything I do is with God and for God. There's nothing sacred and secular. There's no divide. Everything you do, you know, this idea of, well, that's spiritual work, church stuff. Those are fighting words if we're getting to hang out. Everything you do, wherever we go, let's go. Everything we do is with God and for God. Insert every example, everywhere you went. We went to Chipotle yesterday. Yeah. Who created the earth to make it even possible to grow salsita. God. Number two, our purpose is to love God and love others. Jesus sums up all the law, love God, love people. Um, He actually gives us another command. Hey, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. Number three, this one needs no applause. 
Our purpose is to be servants of God and others. You know, sometimes we pray, God, use me. And then we say, God, why did you use me? I'm tired. I'm burnt out. Is it possible that it's daily bread and being used is the way of the kingdom? Being a servant is the way of a kingdom, of the kingdom. Look at Mark 10. Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, like glory. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. Now, slave Greek there is doulos and not associated with the tragic background of our nation's horrific display of slavery here. The word here can be a stumbling block because instantly we get associated with what we know and what's happened to people that are even processing pain in this room that still feel the effects of it, which is wrong. And we need to call it out as being wrong. But in Christ, what is, what is a language that you'll see to be used is we are slaves of Christ and to be slaves of people, which is a doulos, to be servants, to be bond servants, that our life is no longer our own, but it is Christ's. Now that can feel like, where are my rights? When do I get to do something? If you catch me on a pity party month, sometimes I'll be saying and thinking things like that. Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? Do I belong? Do I have purpose? Am I loved? Does anyone see how hard I'm serving? Don't you see? Does this happen to anybody else? Put your spouse on blast right now, you know. And the church said, okay. <laughs> but that is the call of the kingdom, is to be servants. So why complain when we're serving? Because we forget who served us. Look at verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So for sure, we're going to get tired when we're serving. In fact, we're going to want to give up when we think that we're serving in our own power or for our own glory or that somehow now we're entitled. But when we remember the Son of Man who came to serve, it changes what we're going posi- to do today, tomorrow, Monday. Number four, our purpose is to do good works to all, especially to the household of faith. Every person that serves on the dream team is saying yes to God and people. Specifically, we call it the one here. We are all the one for the one. 
that every role here is significant and it matters. And on Sunday, we're proclaiming the good news and we're making disciples and it's a time for us to gather, to stir one another up in love towards good works until the Lord returns. And that's why we're here today is to pour courage in one another's hearts. And each time that we serve in any capacity back there in kids uh, from infant all the way to fifth grade to in the room and to the people who set up in the hallway to the worship team, we're all uh, worshiping God We're coming together as a people. We're trying to stir one another up in good work. So how much more? That's why on a Sunday or if we gathered on a different day, that we want to do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. That's why membership matters. And and, well, you could say, well, of course I want to do good works. But why do I got to start with the household of faith? Well, faith. Well, look at how Galatians 6 puts it. Let us not get tired in doing good. That also implies that you're going to get tired. That's why we need to be encouraged or reminded, and that's why huddles or coaches, they help remind us of a reason, of our why. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all. We care about everybody, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So it's one thing to say, like, I love people. Well, does that play out into every single person we impact? But does that play out to this household of faith, like city life? And as we're out there doing good works and in here doing good works, ultimately we want to see Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. As we're letting the Spirit, when they were singing the worship sound, come down, Spirit, would you move with God? I think for the room, I'm here and I know you're moving. You know, it's like, yes. And then how that fleshes out is the fruit of the Spirit that is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the more we spend time with God, you don't always see the growth. But it's similar to when you haven't seen a child for a while, and the parents are with them every day, so you can't see the, the growth. But then if someone says, wow, you're so much bigger! When you're spending time with God, loved by God, it's going to be natural that the fruit of the Spirit is going to grow these qualities, these intangible essence that people can feel from us. And number five, y'all still with me? I got one yawn, Skittle, it's okay. I'm going to put you on blast. One of my jokes is if anybody's yawning, picture if someone threw a Skittle at you. And if it hit your tooth, you would not forget. But if it hits you in the back, you'd like, be like, whoa, you almost choke or something. But I just say skittle when I see somebody yawn. So I'm, it's all good. If I listen to me talk this long, I probably, you know, I probably yawn too. And everybody's like, wait, can you see me? I can see most people. Some of the lights, I can't see everybody. And if anybody says, wow, you were looking right at me, I actually don't make eye contact almost with anybody because of the lights. So let's clarify a few things. Or the Holy Spirit, you know, that message was right for me. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. You're not in my notes. There's no one by name. We're just in God's word. Number five, our purpose is lived out by faith. 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 Hebrews 11 is where we begin to close. And for the next 10 minutes, we're going to examine how to make up, how to, how, to, how to do things and how to have purpose of what will last. Well, 
right out the gate in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. <laughs> this, is, this is where it gets like sci-fi moving. But this is what we believe. And skipping down and look at, to have faith, we understand of how the world was created, but now without faith, faith verse 6, it is impossible to please God. This is key. So I'm going to have a purpose, and I want a purpose to understand that I was created by God for purpose and uh, from God and for a purpose to do good works and to be a servant and love and fruit of the Spirit and all this. That it, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. There will always be a faith jump with God. Some people, well, that's blind faith. No, there's so much evidence in following Jesus and that's another topic, another day. But there is always going to be an, a level of faith. And even in this room, that's harder for some of us because maybe we're hardwired. We want to touch it. We want to feel it. We're like Thomas. And Jesus, what do you tell him? He's like, blessed are those who have never seen and believe. So I pray in this moment that faith would rise up in each one of us. And let's look back to some of the old heroes to be like Mike, as we might say in sports, but, but in church culture, we, we, we sometimes esteem or we belittle the people in the Bible. But to give it context, let's just look at how this chapter, which is known as like the Hall of Faith, uh, how it references all these people by faith. Look at uh, verse four, by faith, Abel offered to God. Five, by faith, Enoch was taken away. Seven, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. And I love verse 10. It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham, all the way back then, was looking forward to God. God's city is the architect and all that he's building. He's the foundation. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself, uh, she was unable to have children, received power to conceive her offspring. Verse 13, then all, these all died in faith, although they did not have received the things that were promised yet. But they saw from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. I think sometimes the reason our purpose isn't manifested is because sometimes we, want, we, we don't want to be temporary residents. We don't want to be aliens. We don't want to be ambassadors. We want to just experience all the fullness of home now. Now, there is a fallen world, a fallen state, and we get to partner up with what God is doing to see the kingdom come and heaven come and Lansing, the 517 in the world. But this world is fallen. It has the, the, the effects of sin, depravity, and we're waiting upon come Lord Jesus to return and make a new heaven and a new earth. But that doesn't stop us from trying to preserve because we're working with God and for God, and we're doing this by faith. So we don't hold on to today. We look past and we remember we have an eternal perspective. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, he was tested, offered up Isaac. That one's tough. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. 
22, by faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. 23, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around the Israels for several days. Verse 32, and what more can I say? I'm not even preaching. I'm just reading Hebrews 11 for the record, okay? Just trying to commentate in a way that I think the words come off the page. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets. And one name, because his story is pretty public, he destroys you know, armies and Goliath, but you also might know about Bathsheba and, and, and sin. But yet, how is, how is he a man after God's own heart? Because what I find so powerful about every person listed in this chapter is none of them were the righteous one. Their faith was in God and God's redemptive plan, Jesus. So how will we be remembered when we have a purpose? Well, when it's in Jesus, we're going to be remembered by our faith that we're serving Jesus for Jesus, not our mistakes. And that doesn't stop us from, uh, that just means that we're just going to live with no conscience or we're not going to live righteous. No, by all means, of course. But we might have a tendency to put on a pedestal the, the Mikes, the Abrahams, the Davids, the Moses. But look at verse 39, and this is where the chapter ends. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Church, listen to this next verse. Since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. That somehow the purpose of God, us and Jesus, is greater than any person in situation we referenced back then. They were looking to Jesus. We're in Jesus. One of the thing, mistakes we make is we think that we're insignificant. Does my life even matter? No, everything we do matters, and we do it for the glory of God. And then Hebrews 12, I love how it continues. There's not chapters in the original writings, so you would just read it together. And then verse 1 says, therefore, since we have, imagine you're in a stadium and you're trying to do something significant. Every day, every time we worship, look at this, since we have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith, for the joy that laid before him. Look at his purpose. Look at his mission. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our example. Jesus is is the one we put our faith in. Jesus is where we have the role model of who we want to be like and who we want to be with. And what's cool is his, uh, his yoke and his burden, it's light and easy. It's an unforced rhythms of grace, but sometimes we try to compartmentalize them into our calendar or fit them into what we think is our purpose, or we project 
God, I, I, I know how I'm gifted, and we forget to ask, wait, you made me. How do you want to use me? Here I am, Lord, send me. I want to call the worship team to the stage, and as we do, I want us to reflect, um, and how we're going to spend the next 12 minutes is this. We're going to spend time worshiping God and asking, God, what's what my purpose maybe this week or even today? And I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll give you a nugget on the, uh, the, 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 tr- the, tr- the trail as a treasure finder of just what does God want you to do? But, but I pray ultimately, though, we remember why we're doing it, that the glory is for God. So here's a filter we've created over the years that we teach specifically in a concentrated way in the internship, but it's the dream filter, or you could, you could even apply purpose filter. Because all of our work's going to be tested by fire. And only the things that we did with God is going to last. And I don't want to sit at the end of my life and watch all this work that I thought was noble, godly work, but it was really built in vain. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman watches in vain. That is a sobering reality, that I could be building something that means nothing. So I want to stop more and say, hey, God, is this what you want me to do? So number one, is it bigger than me? This would be the filter of my purpose in my life. Does it glorify God and do I need people? Because God always made it where we need him and people. Two, does it build his church? It's his bride, y'all, the ecclesia, the people, the called out, set apart ones, the church. And maybe that's so hard in whatever you're doing because you couldn't draw a line and say, well, I don't know how this benefits the church. Well, ask God. Trust the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in everything you do, and he will make straight your paths. He wants to be involved in the planning process. He wants to be involved in the day-to-day. And then lastly, number three, does it benefit everyone? Do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. Does what I'm doing help the one? These might be the three questions you'd ask today. Hey, is it for my glory or God's? Do I want to see my face on the trophy, my logo? on the shoe, or am I okay that it's just Jesus? Does what I'm doing, does it build God's people? And I want you to hear loud and clear, if you are tired, if you are burnt out, it's a safe space, soak a while. The Lord's got a deep bench. He's got a remnant of people all across the world that he'll use. And I thank God for the team that is constantly even serving me and we're, I'm serving them. And when I can't do stuff, they, we help each other. We admit our limits. So we're just going to worship. You can come up if you're wrestling something with God. You could be at the altar if you want to repent. You could be at the altar if you just, hey, I want to take a step of faith. That, God, I want, I want you to show me more texture of what my purpose is. And I'll close with simply the gospel. The bad news is that you and me, we can never make ourselves new. We can't make ourselves born again from any good work that we could ever do. 
And each one of us are born dead in sin, unable to get back to God. So the gospel of Jesus is not bad people that need to be made good, but dead people that need to be made alive. And Jesus comes, lived a life we couldn't, died the death we should have, was beaten, whipped, hung on a cross, buried, and then rose from the dead. He took all the punishment for sin of what was, what is, and what is to come till he returns. And he'll, will, he will cleanse us, clean us, make us brand new if we accept him. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the question is like, hey, Jesus, are you my Lord? Are you my Savior? And if you're here today, you're like, man, I just need a reset. I, I, I believe Jesus is the way. I believe. Well, I want to lead you in a prayer. God, take my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you are the one true Son of God, Jesus, Yeshua. It's you. I put my faith in you. I ask that you'll lead me and teach me as your disciple. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. It's in your name, Jesus. We pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.